0: warnings on this morning. First of all, half of it has been preached already, so that's great. Secondly, quite a few of the scriptures have already been quoted. That's great. Thirdly, uh, apologies to all the teenagers that are in, wherever you are. I love teenagers. They're my favorite people on the planet. Thanks, Jimmy. Um, But I also felt like Chipper, interestingly enough, that some of my analogies this morning are about... teenagers growing up into adulthood. So I'm not talking about any of you sort of teenagers, okay. I'm talking about the grotty ones. (laughs) That's not you. Um, Okay, I think that's most of it. And then there's a serious health warning, because I am talking about family, and I'm going to be using words like father, and brother, and sister, and child, and parent. And I know that... Before we even start, some people will be curling up inside, just at those words. Because family, for some people, is a very painful concept. And our ideas about family are developed in us from the minute we're born. When we come home, like little Florence, who's like six days old and has been here this morning, we start to work out what family is. And some of us are quite broken by that experience, and it's not a happy one. So you have to choose this morning to engage with what I'm saying. I'm not talking. It's not a happy families talk. I hope. If it is, you can flash up, you know, Neil Point from the back. And I'll change tack. Um, it's not a parenting talk. So if you haven't got any kids and you thought it's another parenting snore, you can you can still keep engaging. I really want to talk about God's family. And what God wants from family. And we can't any of us disengage from that if we're sat here this morning. Uh, Somebody's already read uh, the bit from Ephesians 1. Where it says that God chose us before the creation of the world uh, to be adopted into his family. I love that word. I love the concept of adoption. I know there are people here with us this morning who have adopted children into their families at various ages, and they come with baggage. They're not neat and tidy uh, and simple to live with, and that's the concept God wants us to understand. We, go, we come with baggage, you know what? God chooses to adopt us into his family with all our stuff, with all our baggage, And every now and then, you know, you watch adopted children getting fantastic love and care from the parents who've adopted them and seeming to parcel it all up and throw it back in their faces. And you think, how can that happen? And I thought that one day and God said to me, you know how it happens, Eileen? It happens just the way it happens every time you do it to me. And you flip back into the old stuff from before I adopted you. So... That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a family that's made up of adopted kids with all their stuff. Okay. Not neat if you want neat and tidy people, they've probably got it in the church down the road. But we ain't got it here. Okay. And the, the, one of my other favorite verses is a verse in Romans where it says, where Paul says that um, when God's Holy Spirit is in us, it causes us to. Shout out, Abba, Daddy, Daddy, Father. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that verse later on. So we have one father and we have one family. Whoa, well done. I'm in the right place. God is a family man. And he doesn't just want family members. What he wants in his traditional family is workers in the family business. And God's family business is family. It's what he's about. Now, let me just give you a little bit of a ballpark journey, how I got to this concept. I was part of a not extremely functional family as I grew up, only child, mum and dad, not terribly happy scenario. My dad was a vicar in the Church of England, and I went to church because it was dad's job. That was kind of my first encountering the church and uh, when I was 11 I, I got packed off to boarding school um, and when I got into sixth form at boarding school I started to want to find out more about God for myself and I actually just started reading my Bible on my own and I read through uh, the gospel written by John and when I got to the end of it I thought I want this Jesus I, I, What he's done for me, he can have the rest of my life. And I started to realise that there was something more personal about this church thing that I'd grown up with. And then I met a certain handsome young man who swept me off my feet. And part of what we used to do as he was busy sweeping me off my feet was... um, (laughs) go and help out with, uh, like, teenagers' summer camps. And I remember there was a wise, wise man called Guy Garing Scopes who read it. He led it. He was wonderful. And I remember saying to him one like, Guy, you know, this this relationship with Jesus thing, how do I, re- how do I really know that, that I've got it? And he said, well, Eileen, looked over his glasses, he said, well, Eileen... It says in Romans that he puts his spirit in us and our spirit causes us to cry, Abba, Daddy. And I walked across this field to my tent because they kept the lady cooks, as they used to call us, lady cooks, it was a boy's camp, in the farthest end of the field so we didn't contaminate the male race. (laughs) And as I walked to my tent, I thought, I'm going to try it. And I started going, Abba, Abba, Abba. And this thing inside me welled up and my heart cried out daddy daddy and I thought oh I think I get it I think I've got it and uh, eventually we married we moved to Oxfordshire and in Oxfordshire 1981 I came to Oxfordshire and uh, somebody from Oxfordshire came over to London packed our van I said hello what's your name he said John I've come to pack your van and move house for you I said that's nice thank you We got there. Some other people had decorated our house for us already. We chose the colours. They'd done the painting. There were several meals in the fridge. I thought, oh, I think there's something different to church here than what I've experienced before. And I started to learn in Oxfordshire as part of this family that family is 24-7. It's not about that journey from going to church on a Sunday because it was my dad's job to it being 24-7 and we might have people in the room at different stages on that journey i don't know but if you are it's a great journey enjoy it so god doesn't want church attenders he wants participants in the family firm okay now biblical families interesting concept bit of background i was i was having a moan to god one day cuz i'm doing kst kst is wonderful everybody should do kst it's fantastic King's School of Theology. Brilliant. And I'm doing it this year. And I was saying to, to God one day, why have you made it so tricky for me to understand the Bible? Because it was written into one partic- particular cultural context, and I'm living in another. And I have to try and understand it. And he said, duh, Eileen, open your eyes and look at the world. Most of the world still lives in a culture which is just like the Bible. And I went, oh, yes. And if you talk about family in Africa or Morocco or India or many other places, they understand that I can have many mothers. I can have a biological mother, but I have many mothers who are wise and who are mothers in my life. I can have many fathers. I have many brothers. I have many sisters. Family is not about biology when the Bible talks about family. Okay, so we just need to swish that one out of our brain and don't read it now. But Alan's testimony, wherever Al's gone, talks about that in the news sheet. And uh, the other thing to put in is that Jesus talks quite a bit uh, about, in, particularly in Matthew, about um, changing allegiance, about if you give up your mother, your father, your brothers and sisters, whatever you give up, I'll give you more. Which sounds slightly odd to us, but when you work with people who work into the kinds of cultures that some of the people in church work into, in in, uh, Muslim nations, in in Hindu nations, in in many nations, if I decide I'm going to change allegiance to Jesus' family, my family will either disown me at the very best... Or kill me at the very worst. And that's the culture into which Jesus was speaking. He knew that it would cost a lot. So we need to understand family in a slightly different way. When we read about it in the Bible. Okay, just put that as a background. And the the way in which God talks about family so much through scripture. Tells me how much he values it. It's, It's a constant heartbeat right through from when, uh, in Genesis, he said, let us make man in our own image. The Trinity said to itself, let us make man in our own image. Right to the end of time, there is a family heartbeat. So, what are the family characteristics of our family? Have you noticed genetics is an interesting thing? Chris Blakey, where's Chris Blakey? Wave at me. I'm always saying this to Chris. He looks exactly like Jeremy used to look when Jeremy was quite a bit younger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, hair, yeah. Um, And you do this, you meet, I keep meeting people, I'm I'm old now, so I keep meeting people's children who were the same age as their parents were the first time I met them and going, doing this double take, thinking, hang on on a minute, time has stood still. Um, Families share family characteristics and we as a family of God have to share the characteristics of that family. And I just picked out three Family characteristics I wanted to talk about. Relationship, commitment, and redemption. Okay. Relationships first. Now, somebody's already said it, haven't they? You know the old saying, you can choose your friends, but you don't get to choose your family. Now, you might have chosen this family in the broadest sense in that you decided this was the church you were going to join. But hopefully, you did that a bit prayerfully, You didn't just land and think, like the coffee, like the biscuits, like the singing, I'll stay here. You felt there was something of a joining. We talk about heart joining. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Heart joining, but when you've got it, you know you've got it. And we have always known that God wanted us in this church family. And uh, we moved from London to join the church family and after we'd done that, we found a house. And then after we'd done that, Keith found a job. That was the order in which we did it That for us. Uh, that's how it happened. But there are some pretty odd people in it. I mean, you know, I don't like to mention it, but there are some strange people in this church family. <laughs> I know that because I'm one of them. You know, I'm, I'm almost in the role of... Role of Batty great aunt Eileen these days. I'm cracking on. And you, you can't always choose neat and tidy people to be in your family. And it's like that with biological family. It's like that with church family. So we just need to get over ourselves. Because do you know why God puts irritating people in our family? Andy, Andy O'Connell and I are about as different as you can be. And we regularly have to sit in meetings together. And Andy says half a sentence and I go. <laughs> And I've let down his throat, and he says half a sentence. And no, I say half a sentence, he's let like, down mine. And we understood the other day that we might get a lot further if we both listened to the other end of the sentence. It was a revelatory moment for me. Working with Andy does me good, because he sees so many things that I don't see. I think working with me does Andy good, because I think I see things that he doesn't see. God puts us in families with people who rub the corners off us and who shape us. That's what it's all about. Okay. Uh, so what kind of, what does God want our relationships to be like? He wants them to be like this honest, open, accountable, sharing, fun, loving, generous, loyal, challenging, and maybe even stormy. I don't know what your family, your biological family is like, but we had a trip to the zoo the other day. And my daughter, Ruth, who's not here, she's on a camping trip, and I decided to have one of our stormiest moments right in the middle of a patch of grass, in the middle of the zoo, in the middle of a family day out. And it was was tricky for a while, (laughs) but it was great by the time we got through it. We had to be stormy. A few tears were shed. Um few hugs were exchanged and we we moved on through something really important that we'd actually been avoiding talking about for quite a long time. Uh, I think God wants us to have a family that doesn't avoid talking about things that are difficult, um, but really, really talks about them. Uh, Yeah, the rest of the thing, I think the the fun, having fun together and all of that thing, um, I think we've covered it quite a lot. Think about when you're having a day out. Just don't just take your nuclear family. Think about including people. We've had so much fun, including other people on things. We've been on holiday. We had a great holiday when Keith went on holiday with seven ladies. <laughs> Keith and seven women, wasn't it? There was Keith and I and, and six single ladies and our two children. We had a great holiday. We never saw the kids for a start. They were just entertained. Keith was wasted on hand and foot by everybody except me. It was great. We had a lot of fun. Um, it's. i come on to that a bit later. I'm losing my thread. Okay. Families should be multi-generational. I am absolutely passionate. I think what society has done, and I think what we've started to do as well, is shrink down to... This is my church family, but it isn't really my church family. It's my best mates who are all the same age as me and think like I do. Sorry, that's comfortable. Multi-generational family is brilliant. Um, Albeit sometimes a bit challenging. I've I've had some of the best challenges from people who are quite a bit younger than me. Again, I was in a setting with Non-Bilson. Some of you will know Non-Bilson. They're working in Paris now. I guess she would maybe see me in a bit of the role as a sort of mum in the church. And she, she made a comment. And it absolutely cut right across what I was doing. And she felt really bad about it. She wrote me a card the next day and said, I'm really sorry. Do you know, It's one of the most helpful things anybody's ever said to me. It really changed the way I behaved in a certain aspect certain area she really challenged me and we need multi-generational challenge I like hanging around with young people because wherever they are where's Jimmy again and Rachel and all that lot because you teach me something I need to know and I hope maybe there's just a little bit of wisdom that I might chuck your way every now and then okay we need each other we need to be a multi-generational family grandparents kids children and I mean that in the biblical sense Not the biological sense. Okay. I have a a lovely phrase. It's not a lovely phrase. It's a phrase I hate. But somebody I knew said the other day, um, I'm not accountable to anybody. I'm accountable to Jesus. And I thought, ouch. The only people I've ever known who say that are people who are busy falling off a cliff somewhere with nobody to catch them. We should be able to say really tough things to each other uh, because we care enough about each other, not just to be polite. Let, let's not have a polite family. Oh, I bet your family's not polite, is it, <laughs> Andy? Okay. We need to be Intentional. The we, not they comment. This is something else that God's challenged me. I, I go through various, it may surprise you to know that I go through various very grumbly times about the church. I think, <laughs> and I find myself thinking, why don't they do something about it? Why don't they do something about the worship on the Sunday? Why don't they do something about the way the chairs are put out? Why don't they do something about creativity? Why don't they do something about the fact that nobody loves me and everybody hates me and I think I'm going to go and eat worms? (laughs) And and again, God said, is it they, Eileen, or is it we? Because if it's we, I've got a responsibility. Why don't we do something about worship? Oh, heck! Uh, what can I do? Maybe not saying that would help. Um, <laughs> why don't Why don't we do something about how people are cared for in the church? Ah, I now have a responsibility. If you find yourself saying they about the church, try saying the same statement with a we in it, and then see what God wants you to do. Okay. Why, is, why, why are they also middle class and tidy? Why are we also, oh, okay? Maybe I need to get involved with what the edge is doing. There are any number of statements. We need to be a we church, not a they church. We need to have a fierce loyalty. You know what natural family is like? I don't know about your kids, but my kids would fight like mad. But if anybody else said anything about either of them, <laughs> and I'm still like that, you, I can moan and groan about my kids. Not that I ever do if they're listening to the tape. <laughs> but don't you, don't you, you touch my kids and you touch my grandkids? <laughs> You've got me to reckon with. We need that kind of fierce loyalty. I can think Stephen and a bit odd. But anybody else talks about Stephen and Bev? I don't think they're odd, I think they're great. But anybody else talks about them? I'm not having it, okay? If we're being real with each other, and any problems I have with them I'm talking about, then I can defend them if anybody else starts attacking them. We need to be fiercely loyal. We need to build in family time. That's family time, Okay? When did you last have somebody in your house that you didn't know really well for a meal? When did you last spend time with somebody from another part of the region? saying this to me too. Um, When did you last share your day off? I've talked about. When did you last share your holiday time? When did you last work with somebody else on a project that was fun? You know the old um, Amish? Have you ever seen the Amish film The Witness? Where they raise the barn together. I have this secret hankering to be Amish, as long as I'm allowed my hair straighteners. <laughs> is the deal? Because I, 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 <laughs> it's true. I, I love that sense of community and that way they all got together for a day and the women produced all these. This food by the gallon and the men all got up there hammering and raised the barn. We need to do projects together. We need to do some barn raising. I don't know what kind of barns we need to raise, but we need to do some barn raising. And we need to look at all those one another verses in the Bible. One of the things I've promised myself I'll do sometime when I've got lots of time on my hands is look at every one another passage in Scripture and really study it. Because there are a gazillion of them where Jesus talks about how we should treat one another. Love one another. Submit to one another. Serve one another. Honour one another. And so it goes on and goes on and goes on. Communicating, I've said, communicating the good things and the bad things. And the picture I had, sorry t- sorry guys, youngsters, uh, is I felt God say, are we going to be this kind of a family? Are we going to be a bit like the Christian equivalent of a sulky adolescent who emerges from their bedroom once a week on a Sunday to grumble and moan about the rest of the family and then disappear again for the rest of the week? Put your headphones on and get your thingy out and just moan. And I don't think God wants us to be that kind of a family. Okay, the next characteristic of our family is commitment. Commitment and covenant. Covenant is a stronger word than commitment. Um, Commitment is... Basically, the question was, are we generous or are we self-protective? Are we generous with our money? With our time? With our possessions, our home, our family, our jobs, our ambition? One of the things I like to do when we're going on holiday, is think, is there anybody who would really like to use our house while we're away? Is there anybody who'd like to stay in it? Would anybody like to have a holiday in it? What can we do with it? Uh, We've got a car that we keep insured for anybody over a certain age just because it's quite useful if people borrow it. That's just a couple of things we do. Um, People have been so generous to us. We were stony broke when our kids were little. I mean, minus numbers. And we had a couple of friends who uh, liked taking nice holidays. And he had lots of air miles because of work and lots of connections in the hotel business. And they, they made it sound like we were doing them a favor going on holiday with them. And they gave us air miles for the flights and they got us free hotel rooms. And I, I don't know. They were so generous with, with their time and with their money and with their possessions. We have received so much generosity over the years. Uh, from this church family I cannot tell you how much in in people coming to talk to us at the drop of a hat if we were having a problem in meals that people have given us in cleaning that people have done when I wasn't well or when I just had a baby it just goes on and on and on doesn't it and I, I know a lot of you have experienced it that's the kind of family we need to be we need to let people in we need to share Christmas we had a great Christmas with Stuart and Lynn one year, didn't we? We had a fairly wacky collection of people, but it was, it was. There were surreal moments around the table. It, when when a couple of autistic guys both wanted to go home at exactly the same time halfway through the, you know, their sausage and turkey, and we're going, no, you don't go yet. You finish the plate. Um, but we had such fun. We had a we had a really good day, sharing Christmases, sharing holidays, not being self protective, saying it's all about us Um. and then we go on one more to being covenantal covenantal is a bit more serious it's laying down our lives for each other really laying down our lives it's the you're good at my expense and I actually felt when I was preparing this that this issue of jobs was relevant for some people that there was a choice between a job which was really what you wanted, where you wanted, with the pay that you wanted. And God actually asking you to consider the family and the community that he wanted to put you in before that. And actually lay your life down for other people. Steve is amazingly clever, you know, and I've heard him lecture. I've heard him lecture at KST. It was the best thing I've ever ever sat and listened to for two whole days he he could make he could be go down a storm as an academic he'd probably make quite a lot of money on a lecturing circuit or writing a book or two but he's not he's here he's our church pastor and he's not making a lot of money (laughs) and he's laying down a lot of time okay and that sort of thing goes on a lot when you look around people who work at the king's school people who work in Tyndale, people who are laying down selfish ambition and the fast track uh, to somewhere great and glorious. Right, let's bring this into land. And our family needs to be a redemptive family. Um, As somebody who didn't grow up with a great family, I learned how to be a mum by watching people God put in the church family. I learned about brothers and sisters, with the brothers and sisters God gave me in the church family. I learnt what fatherhood was like by Father God and the fathers he gave me with skin on in, in the Lord. I learnt it all through the church family. And I don't think it matters how broken and battered we are when we come in. God will use family to be a place of redemption. And that's where I felt I wanted to end with what's this all for, this family that we're building. In the book of Acts, where it talks about the early church and how they were working things out, they had an amazing buzz going on. They sold stuff, and they shared all their money. And they didn't have possessions that were chippers and Eileen's. They were, what's mine's yours, and what's yours mine. They shared everything. And people watched them, and they said, whoa, this is amazing, we want a a piece of this. And every day, every single day, people found God as their father, found Jesus, and were added into that family every day. It was amazing. It must have been buzzing and crackling and amazing. And I think through the 70s, 70s through to the 90s, 70s through to the 1990s, we tried to live like that. The church tried to live like that, particularly the charismatic church in the UK, tried to live like that. And we thought, all we've got to do is live like that. And people will stream in through our doors and they'll find the life of God and they'll find family and we've got it sorted. And somehow it, it kind of didn't happen. It wasn't sustainable. And I was thinking, I've been thinking a lot about why. I think we got a bit inward-looking. I think we thought, this is fantastic, because it is fantastic. But it was so fantastic, maybe we wanted to keep it fantastic. Maybe we wanted to keep it safe. And I think we slowly got a little bit more inaccessible to God's hurting world out there. And this family is to be a redemptive family. And it's an unsatisfactory talk this morning because I don't know the answer. I know that what God wants us to build the family I'm talking about. And I know that it's redemption is for the world. That needs family and community like it's never done before in this country. Ever. But I don't know what it should look like in 2014. I think I probably need help in working out what it should look like. I think maybe we all need to help each other work out what it looks like in 2014 to break down the walls and to get that thing where people go, I want what they've got. I want that. And we go, come on in with all your stuff and we'll help you. Don't have to leave your stuff at the door. Bring it all along. We've all got stuff. Bring your stuff. We'll help you with it. Well, I think we need to do the same sort of stuff. I think there are lo- great stories coming out the leaves of meals going to... Anybody down the street has a baby, they can get the meals. It doesn't have to just be the churchy people. Anybody moves into a new house, and can get the cake. Anybody needs a lawnmower, you can lend it. Better still, you might even cut the front lawn for them. Anybody wants to borrow a car? Ouch, that's getting a bit close. <laughs> we can do the same stuff, but whatever we're doing, let's not be embarrassed. You know what teenagers are like a bit? They don't really always like bringing their friends home. Well, sometimes they do. Ours used to pile their, ours used to pile their friends in. Um, what our oldest daughter once said she said the trouble is dad she'd been in a particular place she said the trouble is dad there's nobody there that's normal at which point for some extraordinary reason that I can't remember Keith dropped to his knees and started crawling under the dining room table going noggin 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 <laughs> noggin <laughs> <Nogga, laughs> Ruth said that's what I mean there's nobody normal <laughs> we, we thought Perhaps we brought our children up with a slightly warped idea of what normal was. So it's quite hard for them to be embarrassed about bringing their friends in because you just had to cope with it. But you know, let's not be embarrassed about introducing people to our family and our father. Okay, Let's not be embarrassed about this family. You might have to explain that there are a few eccentric people in it, but that's okay. But let's not be embarrassed about introducing people to our father and our family and let's not forget that we are workers in a family business and that family is the family business and let's remember too encouragingly that we're not doing it all by ourselves let's find what i'm looking for Paul says, for this reason, now the reason he's talking about is to reconcile the Jews who thought they were the kids on the block and the Gentile world. He was talking about introducing God to a broken world. That's what he's talking about. He said, for this reason, I, Paul, whoops, let's find the right place. Where are we? For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that's God's, he may strengthen you, that's us, with his power, that's God, through the Holy Spirit in your innermost being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you be rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So that's how we do it. We are enabled to do this family, to build this family in the church and in the world because we're secure in God as our father. We're following Jesus as our example. We're filled with the Holy Spirit as our enabler. We can go out and we can go beyond ourselves and we can become truly what we're meant to be and we can truly believe that for God, family is the family business.